Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I'm your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders, and for those who want to break the cycle of convention and redefine success one step at a time. I am on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life and your business. This week, as always, we have another amazing guest for you. We have Christina Mand Lakiani. Christina is a serial entrepreneur, speaker, mother, philanthropist, everyday life philosopher, and a woman on her own journey of spiritual growth. She is also the co-founder of Mind Valley, a global school that delivers transformational education for all ages, as well as Mind Valley Russian, its Russian-speaking vertical. Christina has been engaged in the personal transformation industry for over 15 years, collaborating and playing with leading thinkers and teachers in consciousness, relationships, human performance, parenting, and life optimization. As a speaker, she has shared the stage with household names such as Lisa Nichols, Marissa Peer, and many more. Throughout her journey, she's been fortunate to acquire the tools and systems to help make authenticity the heart of her life. Whether it's starting her own businesses, being active in causes she's passionate about, going to the places she loves, embracing the virtues and the wicked of her femininity, singing her two kids to sleep, playing the harp or immersing herself in classical literature, Christina set on taking in and relishing every moment as it comes. And she invites people to do the same in their own way. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, this week I am super excited about our guest. We have the lovely Christina Mand Lakiani. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you so much. Thank you. So the way that we love to start the show, we get right into it. We always love to ask our woman of inspiration, what is your unique story? So Christina, tell us, (laughs) how did you get to where you are today? Well, um, it's it's a long journey. It's a long story. So um, I would say that, you know, maybe to start, to, to give a context to the listeners, I was born in Soviet Union. So it was a different world, which does not exist anymore. So where I consider myself to be today is that I've been in business of personal growth and transformation for 16 years. And I'm also at the point in my life where a lot of things are changing. So there are like two aspects to how I got here. Uh, to personal growth and to business, I got accidentally <laughs> so many things in my life. Um, because uh, the the country where I was born 
in, uh, was incredibly pragmatic and also um, business was not legal. So uh, I got married at the age of 25. It was a long time ago. And uh, my then husband, Vishen, he was into business. He was a, a mystical preacher for me because I did not know any business people in my life. They just did not exist in Soviet uh, environment. So um, we lived in New York. I was a foreigner. He was a foreigner. I had nothing better to do. So I started helping him with business. And that was when we were building Mind Valley, our company. Uh, so that's that's literally how I got into, into business and transformation. Um, I was just... Um, married to a guy who was passionate about it and um, and I was helping along. Uh, but uh, regarding the second part of this, uh, it's probably a little bit, uh, just a second, there is a little bit of a destruction. I'm so sorry, Catherine, I'm in the office, so there is a little bit of a movement. Now I'll try to be more more focused okay. so the second part of the uh, the second part of the story how i ended up at the point uh i'm 41 right now i am uh recently divorced and i have uh, been discovering myself anew so i started a new um spin of my career probably a year ago uh so that would be um that would be a little bit of a longer story because uh, I believe that I, like in Soviet days, we knew exactly what to do to be happy, <laughs> to be successful in life. We, we were giving a scenario because it was a restricted, fairly restrictive environment. So we knew we had to study well, to go good to university, get a good job, get married, get children, uh, be good at work and, you know, do, do all the things that you're supposed to do. And uh, I did exactly that. I was a perfectionist, um, a Hermione in a way. <laughs> so I studied well. I went to university, got a job while I was still there. And at the age of 25, I had made a career in the government in Estonia. Most of my colleagues from Europe were uh, in their 40s. So I started wondering what's next because, uh, you know, if you, if you really apply yourself, you reach the... Uh, general idea of success pretty fast. But uh, my life slightly took a, an unexpected turn by getting married to Vision and moving to <clears throat> US. I had to rediscover a lot of things, but still the perfectionist in me, the person who would follow the, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the rule book for success was still very strong there. So at the age of 40, which was last year, I suddenly realized that, you know, I have this beautiful, uh, beautiful life, uh, Instagrammable life, uh, married, uh, running a business that I like, having a job that I love, uh, two children, a boy and a girl, uh, traveling the world and, you know, parties and uh, everything was perfect except for the little fact that the only place where I could uh, allow myself the thought that I was actually in a mess and I didn't know what I want and where I'm going was when I would close the door into the bathroom and just be there by myself. So that's that's when uh, all the changes started happening in my life. I just started asking questions of myself. Um, why do I feel in a certain way? You know, I'm sure a lot of people would have experienced that from time to time. You have uh, a thought or a feeling and you tell yourself, oh, no, I shouldn't be thinking this way. I shouldn't be feeling this way. So I started digging deeper into that and discovered that um, – my perfect Instagrammable life is actually uh, not about me. <laughs> and uh, I started undoing all of these things and um, a lot of changes happened. 
I discovered my voice. I started speaking on stage. I changed career. Um, we separated with my um, husband. Um, we're still very good friends. Uh, and yeah, I do not know what's going to happen next. <laughs> Life will show, but it's exciting and it's, it's new and it's different. Wow. Christina, it's such a um, an amazing story. And I think that sometimes you hear this often that we wear these personas and we and people only on the outside can see how everything is so fantastic. Like you said, you're, you're living this perfect life, but then it's when you're closing those doors and asking those profound questions that lead you to where you are today. And it's very courageous, isn't it? When you actually then back yourself it's um it's an interesting journey and i i think that this is um brene brown had this analogy in one of her books it's like the hero's journey if you've seen the movie like hobbit for example uh once you're out the door and you start on this path of uh of you know trying to figure out who you really are and not what your mask is and what not what your facade is for the world it's literally like a hero's journey you you cannot come back you have to go through the whole path. You have to go into the dark cave. You have to face the dragon and hope that you will get out on the other side. And the thing is that, you know, sometimes um, I have this uh, romantic, nostalgic memory of my life uh, before everything started changing, you know, um, thinking, oh, maybe I could go back three, four years and be, uh, be the carefree person again but the truth is that once you're on this journey and once you're through this journey you're so different you cannot go back all you want to have this uh, you know this uh, carefree uh, life before you <laughs> before you woke up to the truth of who you are uh, it's it's not going to stick any more than it stuck before because you're a different person Absolutely. I mean, you have to go through a death and once you go, and it's what the hero's journey is really when it takes you through. It's like going through the darkness, facing your shadows, uh, working through your ego and going through that death. It's only then can you go through that transformation through the experience yourself. And that's where you're at right now. Uh, it's it's been an interesting journey. Yes, it's a lot of discoveries, and that's literally what I'm doing currently. In a way, I'm happy because for uh, sixteen. I mean, I'm happy. <laughs> that's not what I was trying to say. For sixteen years, I was doing um, marketing, and I enjoyed it, uh, and it uh, worked well for me. I was doing. I, I was entrepreneur and a marketer most of all. But um, a year ago, I felt that I'm done with that. I'm getting. Um, it's becoming shallow in a way. So uh, I took a sabbatical and started uh, asking all those questions about why do I feel this way? Why would I slam the door on a perfectly fine career? Um, and uh, why I said, in a way, I'm perfectly happy is that right now my work is just living my life. <laughs> because what I do is that I call myself an everyday life philosopher. I just literally take my life... Uh, um, consciously as in uh, trying to understand what's going on digesting that and um, and just communicating everyday life experiences to the world and I love it I still have my business I still do marketing from time to time it's it's the situation where you don't burn the bridges you just discover yourself anew and everything is new but also everything is still the same in some way so it's it's an interesting position where you feel like you're a different person but you really don't have to 
slam the door on your past life or say goodbye to everything because wherever you are, it's it's thanks to what you have experienced before. Mm, I know, and that that once again, that still does take a lot of courage to be able to because when you go through that transformation or like you said, going through that experience, you can't go back to the old ways, but you can still be in the same environment with different eyes. Yes, yes, yep. for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So your career then, so your new career is a combination of still doing marketing, but then living your life. Well, I don't do marketing as much because I, uh, as a business person, I'm very um, laissez-faire kind of person. And my, my style of working with my team is, um, I believe, uh, I, I trust in people, I believe in them, and I let them do the things. I, I learned it a fairly long time ago. It took it a while to apply it to my life, but uh, I think it was about years ago, me and Vision were uh, on Echo Island with Richard Branson and Vision asked, we were just having dinner and Vision asked that question of Richard. He said, you have eight business, uh, sorry, more than 30, 300 businesses. Eight of them are over a billion dollars businesses because he has like so many businesses, I can't even count them. So Vision asked, how do you do that? And Richard answered that, you know, when I have an idea, I find a person who shares that passion with me and who can do the work, who can execute, and then I just uh, get out of the way and then let them do it. So that's that's been something which um, uh, in business I believe very strongly because, um, because you know, as a perfectionist, um, of course, I can do everything in business. When we were starting, I was doing uh, even such ridiculous things as uh, web design and, and a little bit of programming, which I learned with a book, not in school. And, uh, you know, and, and finances and legal and everything, customer support, absolutely everything. So, of course, we entrepreneurs, we're generally quite resourceful people. We're generally quite uh, because ambitious people, they can learn anything they need to learn. So I still like some aspects of marketing, uh, but more um, um, it's, it's, it's not something that I want to do as my career. Uh, so, uh, in business, what I like to do is I like to be a creative person. I like, I believe business is a creative process. So you cannot put yourself in a hamster's wheel because the moment you put yourself in a hamster's wheel, you lose the space and creativity doesn't happen in the hamster's wheel. It happens in, in vacuum, in, in space, in, you know, when you give yourself the, the, the space to spread your wings. So in business, I still hold the position of doing only the things that only I can do and no one else. I have a team. Of course, they do, they do the things that I could do as well, and probably sometimes I could do it better. You know, I, I guess the best analogy would be that. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to clean apartment in my house. That was my chore, my, my family chore. Uh, I was born in Soviet Union. Obviously, we did everything ourselves. So... Until now, I believe that I can clean anything better than any janitor, any cleaner in the world. I'm really good at that. I've done that for 25 years. But I would never clean my apartment because I have a maid for that. So I have the same, and I know it sounds simple, but I apply this principle in work as well. I could, I could do so much in my business, but I would not do that as long as there are people who can do that. The only thing that I do is that, that only I can do, which is, uh, which is being on stage, uh, creating content, uh, creating, like talking to people um, and, and strategizing. And these are the only things I do. So no, I'm not really a marketer. I just, marketing is more my hobby <laughs> from yeah. time to time. Yes. Mm. I could relate to a lot of the things you were saying, Christina, because I'm French and my mother used to have us clean the house every Saturday without fail. And <laughs> um, as I got, um, you know, I've been in business for 10 years, as I got busier and busier, there was this guilt of, of letting go of control and that's that perfectionist 
in me as well, uh, of letting that go and, and, and giving that to somebody else to do. Um, and it's a way of like paying it forward in a way I, I had to do a lot of like, I have to let go of this, Catherine, you can't control this. And even in business, like for me, I could relate to what you're saying. It's, it's not, I'm not good at everything. I just work with what I love to do and what I'm naturally mm-hmm. good at and allow others to come in that, you know, they've got their natural talents or their superpowers, I call them, to come in and mm-hmm. collaborate. But it took me a long time to get to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I, I fortunately, I don't feel guilt about that, but I know that it's a very common um, thing and it comes from from long time ago because, uh, as I said, I was a very good student in school. So what happens when our kids go to school? Uh, we come and talk to the teachers and the teachers say, oh, so your son is really good with mathematics. And that's what I heard when I was last in school. Your son is really good with mathematics, but, you know, writing is not so strong. So our natural... Um, our natural tendency is to say, hey, let's let's put more effort into writing because that's not so strong. Let's pull it up. So we believe that success, the success is this all-roundedness. You have to be good at everything. But what it really trains us to do from childhood is that we put effort where we are bad at. And we think that, oh, I have... I have to do that because otherwise I won't be successful. And we are born with the whole idea, not born actually, we are taught. Because when we are, when we are children, we try things, we love things, we do them more. We don't love things, we drop them. But when, when we go to school, we are told that you have to do things uh, which are hard uh, because that's, that's the price for success. So naturally, when we grow up, if success comes easy to us, we are suspicious. Why is it so? It shouldn't be like this. I should put blood and sweat into success. I should. I have to break the brick wall with my head. Otherwise, if, if that's not the case, then this is not success. Either it's fishy, either I'm an imposter, or it's not going to last. Because we have a very strong belief that success equals hard work. So when I was in school with my kid just recently, and I was told that he's really good at mathematics, and he's not so good with writing, I thought, okay, you, you guys in school are good. Focus as much as you need on writing, but in the free time that he has, I want to spend more time on mathematics. So I asked him, do you enjoy it? What do you like about it? Would you like to explore this or that? Because this is something that works good for you. I believe if we as a humanity focus on the things that we are good at, I think we would be, so many more of us would have been successful. And, um, you know, Mihai Chiks and Mihai was researching the state of flow like, I don't know, 50, 60 years ago. And everybody he interviewed says that when they are in the flow, it doesn't take an effort. Yes, it takes 10,000 hours to get to the point of mastery. But to stick through that 10,000 hours, you must enjoy what you're doing. So at the moment when you stop putting an effort because it's effortless, because it's so easy, that's when you are suddenly creating. So I, I have given up the idea that I have to suffer to be successful (laughs) Mm. and have embraced the idea of being a surfer. Uh, So rather than a hustler where you really hustle, because what happens is that if you equate success to resistance, you will have to look for resistance and create resistance. Otherwise, you, you can't understand that you might be successful. So I believe in another regime, which is surfing, which is, and you are coming from Australia now, <laughs> I'm sure you know a lot of that. Yes. I mean, you've seen a lot of that. Surfing is when you're on the, out in the sea and you're, you're prepared for the wave to come. 
Because when the wave comes, you have to be in resource to jump on that board and take it. The wave will take you to uh, to shore with, with, with fun and, and speed and, you know, all the all the sparkle that comes with it. So I, I prefer to be a surfer in business. But again, in life, there are no absolutes. So once in a while, you have to switch on the hamster in the wheel. I do that too, and I enjoy that. But only when it's once in a while. If my If that becomes my default regime, I know I have to stop everything and rediscover my life. Oh, I love that. And I think I resonated with what you were talking about. It's working with, uh, it's called strength-based leadership. Uh, Marcus Buckingham talks about it. He talks about that when we send our kids to school and they come home with the reports, naturally our parents will go for the F and to try to put, you know, they might hire a tutor to help you expand in that area that it's an opportunity for you. Whereas if we focus a lot more time on our strength and, and our natural innate talents, we are actually using um, because by using all of our, I guess, our time, energy and brain power on the things that we, other opportunities, it takes, like you said, we're not in a state of flow. It takes us twice as long. Uh, mm-hmm. But I love what you talk about, the surfer. So the surfer, to, well, from what I understand, you're saying you're, by being a surfer, not a hustler. A hustler, you're in it, working like in the grind kind of thing. Whereas a surfer, mm-hmm. you're a generalist, you oversee um, the business, but others are actually driving that component. Is that correct? Well, uh, in my case, it's more about uh, just being prepared and ready to ride the wave when it comes and just going with the flow to some degree. I'm very, uh, very much a woman in business. So mm. uh, I have people because I love strategizing from time to time. I love statistics and numbers. So I see the value in them. But I prefer leaving it to people who thrive in that and who enjoy that because this is not my favorite regime. Uh, I think that when I'm doing that, I, I, I love it too. Actually, that's so funny. We love so many things, but it restricts my creativity. So uh, because once I start looking into numbers, for just a simple example, coming from marketing background, I can research uh, what kind of posts on Instagram would get a better response. And I could stick to just that because as a marketer, as a, as a business strategist, I would Of course, I would go for the things that bring better results. But as a creative person, I cannot, because I studied art before, I cannot uh, come into a pattern. Because I studied a visual visual art, so I draw and I paint. The moment you start replicating something that works, it stops being art, it becomes handicrafts. It becomes, you know, this this replicable thing. It's like fine arts where you you print print, uh, you know, one copy after another. So as an artist, I like creation, and that means that sometimes I have to break something, and I have a very strong destructive uh, component in me. So for business. It might be good to take business in leaps and bounds forward and to come up with something new. But as um, as running the business, it's not a very uh, healthy thing to do. So it's good for me to shake up the, the status quo from time to time. But it's better if the person who manages it thrives in a pattern, thrives in, in stability. So that's why uh, I wouldn't say that I'm overseer. I'm more of a, uh, of a creator, of a dreamer, of a person who will uh, draw up a vision. But you need more persistent uh, and regular activity for for the whole machine to move forward because we are talking right now of a fairly big business because Mind Valley as a whole is 300 people. My team is uh, much smaller. We're only about 30, but still, it's it's not the place where where uh, my kind of turbulent personality would, would take us very far. 
Mm. So you're a very successful uh, businesswoman, uh, Christina, and for those that don't know Mind Valley, highly recommend that you check it out. What has been your greatest le- lessons learned thus far in business? <laughs> well, I have I have had uh, a birthday of me as an entrepreneur a few years back. So um, and and I've had two two types of lessons. So one lesson was from near bankruptcy. The other lesson was from rediscovering myself. So just, it, it is a bit of a story. So if you have uh, time to, to listen to it, I'll, I'll share. We love stories. <laughs> Good. So I started a Russian side of Mind Valley um, about 10 years ago with a business partner. It was actually her idea. So in the first few years, Russian business, Russian Mind Valley functioned as a separate entity legally and, and financially and in so many aspects. We literally, we kind of were Mind Valley, but we were coming up with our own things. And uh, both uh, me and my business partners, we, we were absolutely new in business, but we were one of the children in a way. Maybe we were lucky, maybe we were riding off on Mind Valley's wave as well, but we became successful very quickly. Like in a few years, we made a lot of money. We started living the lifestyle of you know successful entrepreneurs. Uh, but then since our market was Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, in 2014, Russia, Ukraine went into war and, um, and a huge crisis broke out. Uh, out. So it was a uh, massive economic crisis, incredible um, inflation. And by then, my relationships with my business partner started eroding. It was already three years into our relationship going really, really bad. And on top of that, uh, we we panicked. We stopped advertising. We fired half the team. And on top of that, we lost one of the authors uh, who was uh, essentially in our market bringing in almost 80% of the uh, revenue. So in 2015, uh, early 2015, I was in the situation where our business was literally near bankruptcy. And that, I'm not talking about big mind value right now. I'm talking about Russian business. Uh, I had really bad relationship with my business partner and uh, I didn't know what to do next. So I did the only logical thing. <laughs> I took out the book by Harvaker, My a Millionaire Mind, or think like a millionaire, I don't remember the name. <laughs> and I read it. And I came to a conclusion that, uh, that you know, the economic crisis might be in the outside world, but it is your choice whether you will allow it to uh, penetrate your mindset. So at that time, as I was reading it, I came to a conclusion that I'd rather go bankrupt with um, a smile on my face than continue, uh, you know, suffering and trying to trying to save something which is uh, breaking everywhere possible. So uh, we broke up with my business partner and um, and. Uh, after after the first initial shock, I started looking back and thinking what happened and why did we uh, end up where we ended up near bankruptcy. And I came up with a lot of um, a lot of lessons. But I guess my first lesson for me in business is that there are two types of mentality in business as entrepreneurs. And one mentality, and I'm talking about mentality, not the way business is set up. One mentality is the mentality of a freelancer, where an entrepreneur essentially values their time over uh, over everything else. Uh, so um, maybe that's not the right way to put it. Uh, one mentality is freelancer. The other mentality is uh, an investor. And the difference is in patience. So 
investor has the patience to wait for long-term benefit. Freelancer is more into uh, instant gratification and uh, immediate gain. So we were running our business from the mentality of a freelancer for years, which is why it ended up where it ended up. Because when we split up with my business partner, when I lost my uh, biggest author, I went back and I looked into the numbers and I discovered that the year, which was the hardest year for us, was also the year with the highest revenues. And that's exactly the difference. So uh, the investor would rather... um, would rather wait for greater benefit than take out the money. Freelancer would rather see their salary higher, while investor would rather see the profitability of a business higher. Freelancer at the end of the year would take out the profit as a dividend. Uh, investor would put the profit back into business uh, because we understand that you know the best investment you can make is the investment into your own business. And that kind of mentality translates into everything. Uh, freelancer would value their time versus investor understands that in business it's risk-taking that pays more than time. So yes, you do pay for your own time, but you pay for your own time like you would pay any other employee. What really makes you successful in business is the ability to take a risk. That's why you go into partnership with someone. It's uh, it's actually Robert Kiyosaki's idea that uh, in business, it's not the time that you put that pays, but the risk that you're willing to have that pays, uh, which actually actually feels back into this whole idea that you should not be in a in, in a hamster's wheel, because it's not it's not the time and the effort that you put into business that brings the result. It's how daring you are, you know? How much do you dare to change the status quo? How much do you dare to put yourself out there, to take the risk, to to show the way, to solve people's problems, to take the responsibility for other people's lives? So um, that was probably one of the biggest lessons. Um, I also learned uh, not to sacrifice myself in business because, as I said, my business partnership was not happy. I had uh, really hard times communicating with my business partner, but I believed that I'm sacrificing my own happiness for the greater good because we have business, we have employees, we have clients, we have uh, uh, authors, and that's you know, and we have a mission. So I have to be in it. Uh, but. Uh, as Dalai Lama once told me, because I, I had this opportunity to ask him this question, I said, how do, how, do I, how do I combine the two things that on one side I see the misery of people and on the other side I'm trying to teach people that they have to be happy? And he said, you know, Christina, you cannot help anyone if you're not happy. And it took me years to get to that point that I'm sacrificing myself for what I think is the greater good. But in reality, what's happening is that I'm unhappy in this relationship. So I'm not doing good to anyone. And surprisingly, the one uh, employee who is still with me from that times, she told me afterwards, she said, you know, you, you guys were putting up a brave face, thinking you're doing it for us. But in reality, we all were in pain looking at the way you don't communicate with each other. And the way, how, how easy it was to breathe after you two just split up. It's like heaven and, earth, and, and hell, the comparison. So that was another lesson, you know, don't sacrifice yourself for business. And then I learned so many lessons after that, because, you know, after I separated with my business partner, I did feel that, I have wings behind my back and it was such a memorable moment when, when, when I woke up and I, and the day that I dreaded so much because I thought I can't do it by myself. And then suddenly I'm all alone. I suddenly felt freedom rather than fear. 
but <laughs> it's it's not a fairy tale and it's not a movie because it took a few more years before I suddenly before I actually saw that I am capable of running it by myself. For years, I was still struggling and I was doubting myself. So another batch of lessons came after the separation where I had to, where I had to see, you know, am I, am I just being stubborn and an idiot or am, am I being persistent and I'm moving towards success? You know, this big dilemma. Am I really doing the right thing? Maybe it's time to just turn back or, or is it the time to show more persistence and more courage? So, yeah, I'm not going to go into all of them, but these are some of my lessons in business. Wow, definitely a lot of persistence, perseverance and determination right there. And I think that links into something that I actually read off your website. Being authentic is not a choice. It's a necessity. Talk us through that. Oh <laughs> uh, Well... Um, that's that's a bit longer conversation. I think that um, to be yourself is the necessity for so many things, uh, from from being happy, from being fulfilled, from having any kind of meaning in your life, to to having meaningful relationships. Uh, and I think I started coming to that. It was a long journey because uh, when we are born, we are taught to uh, put up a face. Uh, to behave in a certain way, to fit uh, to fit the environment. Uh, just recently, we published a talk, my one of my latest talks, on Instagram, and I got slammed for the way I looked there <laughs> because apparently what? you're gorgeous. <laughs> well, apparently it was inappropriate. So the thing is that I, I know I do it sometimes deliberately. I refuse to be something for anyone because. Um, it was a long journey. We learn to be something for everyone else, for the whole world, because we, we think that this is the right way to do. Like when, when, children, when children are noisy, we tell them, you know, quiet, you, you're, you're in a public place, don't make so much noise, rather than uh, take them, taking them out to the place where they can express themselves and saying like, hey, this is the place to be noisy. Uh, we just tell them, to be quiet without any explanations. We tell them to fit in, uh, to be polite, to not express ourselves uh, freely, to, to say things that are pleasant to hear. And I know that there are places where it is appropriate and it is expected because, of course, we have to fit into the so social environment. We have to be uh, civil. Uh, that's true. So putting on masks is okay, but the problem is that we grow uh we grow into those masks and we forget to take them off so we keep putting on masks uh through our life uh to the point where we put them on where they are not necessary you know i'm putting on the mask of being um of being a pleasant person and i will say yes where uh i should be saying no or I, i'll put up on the mask of being interested in you where where Maybe it would be the best for all of us if we just, you know, parted ways. Uh, and we keep doing that. Uh, so it's, it's a fine line because, you know, where, where do you sacrifice yourself and compromise your own values, your own interests, and where you're just being acceptable and, and pleasant to be around? Because I, I see the point of both that, as I said earlier, there are no absolutes. You have to be able to balance. But the problem is that we are going so much into the way of wearing the masks that we are we are forgetting what is behind them. So how I came to the idea that it is a necessity to be yourself is that 
um, I, there was a research by Brene Brown. She was researching people who who have very strong connections in their life. And there was another research by Harvard University. It's the longest running research. It ran for over 75 years where they were looking at men uh, and then throughout their lives and trying to see what makes them happy and fulfilled. And the number one reason, uh, thing uh, or factor that makes us actually happy is the strength of our social connections. It's, it's, it's counter to everything that we learn in personal growth. We think that happiness is within, but truly we are happy when we have strong connections in our life. So Brené Brown was researching what makes people uh, a capable of strong connections. And what she found is it's three things. One is that the person believes that they're lovable the way they are. The second thing is that they have the courage to show themselves the way they are to the world. And the third thing is uh, buzzwords. So I would really ask you to hear what I say beyond the word is vulnerability. And in her interpretation, it's the ability to act despite not knowing how this action is going to be received by the world. So on one side, we learn to put on the masks to be accepted by the uh, by, by the you know our social environment, because this is our uh, evolutionary need. We are afraid to be rejected because that would mean death. But on the other high side, to truly connect to people, we have to learn to take off the masks, because otherwise, in a mask you can't make a connection. So I find it paradoxical, and. <clears throat> When, when you take off the mask, the first person who will see you, what you are, is yourself. And do you have the courage for that? Do you have the courage to say that what the world expects from me is not what I want? You know, what, what the loved ones want from me is not what I want. Do you have the courage to say it to yourself? Because once you say it to yourself, you understand that the next step is to translate it to the world. To actually come out and be vulnerable as in, I'm going to take a decision that I know that maybe my loved ones would not appreciate and would not support? Do I have the courage to take this decision because this is true to myself? Or am I going to get scared and I'm going to sacrifice myself for the greater good? <laughs> but we don't. Normally we sacrifice ourselves not for the greater good, but for the comfort of you know, stability, of, of not rocking the boat, of not hurting the people in our lives, of being pleasant and acceptable. So yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty much the uh, context. Uh, but the, the thing with with uh, authenticity and with being yourself is that it's not a switch. You cannot switch it on and switch it off at will. Once you switch it on, it's on. You just can't do anything else. You can't start lying to yourself after you've been honest with yourself. Yeah, and I, 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 I call that what you just described is standing in your light or standing in your truth. And I think that, it, like, like you say, it's, it's, people find it really hard to be authentic or to say things as they are, being that vulnerability, not knowing how others will respond and react to what you're about to say or like for yourself even, you know, um, deciding – to go through a transition, your relationship is now you're you're, you're separated. But even that, uh, making that decision, um, you know, sometimes people stay in those relationships because of fear of what the the family would think of them, fear of how others would respond and react to them, and and so some people, or well, not some, a lot get stuck in a story or a loop, and uh, and then wonder why they're not happy. 
Well, the thing is that you, because I, I've experienced that quite recently, when we take a decision like that, we are absolutely naturally afraid of hurting people uh, in our lives. And generally, generally, people will care. Of course, people will care. And that's why what happens is that because we are so afraid to take this uh, step and, and hurt the people that we love, we start lying to ourselves and we start we start um, coming up with all sorts of stories uh, to avoid that painful decision. But uh, the thing is that, you know, when me and Vision decided to separate, I heard a lot from people uh, that you're going to hurt your children, you're going to hurt the people that love you, uh, and people that loved us were hurt. Uh, but the truth is that nothing changed for them. For our children, they still have the mother and the father who just decided to be uh, a little more uh, honest with each other in our relationship and, you know, stop trying where it's not working and focus more on the parts that are working, like our friendship, our uh, long-standing connection and trust and support for each other uh, and, and the, uh, the mission that we share. And of course, the parenthood. It did hurt my, my mom and my dad, but... Uh, they still have vision in their life in the same capacity. He is still the son-in-law. The mm. only thing that's changed is something changed in the relationship between me and my former husband. But for the rest of the world, we are still the same. And they were hurt. So I had my, my hardest part was when I told my mom and she um, took it hard. She, she actually got upset with me and with Vision and, and she was angry with both of us. And she started um, criticizing me. And my initial uh, impulse was to try to convince her that I'm right and that she's not seeing my point. And that's what we try to do. We think that we are caring for our loved ones when we are trying to make them see uh, the world our way. But the truth is that they have their journey. The same way I'm having my journey uh, in separating my former husband, they're having their journey in, in uh, you know, going through that same separation in their own way. So I, I do not know where I got the, uh, the wisdom at that point to, to just uh, let it be and just let my mom go through her process and, and not talk to her. Uh, maybe it was childish, but I didn't call. Uh, I, I was waiting for her to be ready to talk to me and not to accuse me and not to, to be upset with me. And in a week she called me and she said, you know, uh, you know, she said, you took the courageous step that so many of us don't have the guts to take. That for years, she told me for years, I've been, uh, I've been sacrificing my own happiness, thinking that I will hurt people in my life, but nobody became happier from that. So she said, when, when I saw what you did and I realized that this is something I didn't do in my life, and I'm not talking about divorce, I'm talking, we, we sacrifice our happiness in so many areas, you know, uh, doing the thing that we don't love to do or being with people we don't love to do, don't want to be with. It, it doesn't have to be divorce. But she said, you know, you have this courage, which I did not have. So I'm going to support you, even if I don't understand why you did that. What I understand is that you stood up for what's important for you, even though we, the people that you loved were against that. And, you know, it's, it may be hard, but the truth is that a person has to go through their lesson. And that's what we do to our children. Uh, we are so afraid that they get hurt 
they try, we try to solve their problems for them. But what happens, two things happen. First of all, we are depriving them of the lesson, of the lesson they could go through in a safe environment, the lesson of being scared, the lesson of insecurity. Uh, when my child, uh, my, my older child once had a problem in school, he didn't do his homework, uh, and it was my fault to some degree. So I thought, I'm going to go and talk to the teacher and explain to the teacher, but then I stopped myself and I said, no, wait, my child has the opportunity to go through a very scary for him experience, but in the comfort of me and vision being there for him and help, helping him through whatever, through whatever discomfort he's going to go through. So I allowed him to have this experience, despite it being hard, because we love to solve problems for the people that we love. But by that, we are depriving them of the lesson. And they're going to come back to that. We have to get our lessons. If, if the universe sends us this lesson, it's because we have to learn it. And if someone else solves it for you, you will come back to that lesson sooner or later because you haven't learned it yet. This is number one. The number two thing we do for them, for the loved ones, by solving their problems, by denying them the opportunity to go through pain, is that we also deny them the skills to deal with that because they don't get the chance. And they learn the weird myth that happiness is absence of discomfort and absence of pain. And this is utopia. When we tie our happiness to the idea that there should be no discomfort and no pain, then we are never going to get there because it's going to happen. So uh, the only thing um, we can do for the loved ones is actually to be there with them through whatever discomfort they're going through. And, and you know, and learn to still enjoy and feel joy in everything else in your life. I so agree with that. I have my son, he's uh, 25, and it's one of those <laughs> things that I'm constantly, I mean, I was a single mum for 11 years and uh, uh, from the age of three years old, and I used to say to him, look, I'm not the perfect mother. It's not like they give you a handbook on how and what you should do, uh, and I'm doing the best I can, but it, as he was getting older and older, it was very much, I was having that conversation, I can't continue to solve your problems because if anything happens to me, God forbid, um, I'm robbing you of your lessons and then you yes. won't have this level of resilience that you need to once you get out on your own and, and start living for yourself. Yes. Mm. So, Christina, what's the one quality that you think everyone must have in life? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are so many things. I think uh, one of the skills that everybody should have and that would make life so much more meaningful is the skill of taking your life consciously and actually asking yourself questions and being honest with yourself. Because um, they, they have this saying that uh, whatever doesn't break you makes you stronger, but this is uh, another myth that we like to believe. The truth is that every experience in our life has a potential for two things. It has a potential for transformation, but it also has a potential for trauma. So if we don't take our life consciously, we'll end up being hurt and letting these bruises stay rather than healing them and getting stronger from them. So conscious living, living a life consciously with, with awareness, with you know, asking yourself questions and being honest with yourself is a prerequisite to having some meaning in life. So this is a serious question, a serious answer. A slightly more <laughs> enjoyable answer would be a quote from a movie, Cinderella, that I watched with my younger daughter. She's six recently. 
Uh, and I love the, the message of that movie. You know, have courage and be kind. I really believe these are very, very important qualities to be brave and to be kind. And I, I, I particularly love, love the idea of kindness over love, over everything, because love, unfortunately, is massively misunderstood and misused and, and, and sometimes used for escape. And it's, it's, it's a hard thing. And, and you, find, you find it hard to sometimes feel love if you are hurt, right? Or if you are angry or something like that. But you can always be kind through everything. Even if you hate a person, you can still be kind to a person. If you, even if you despise the person, you can still be kind to that person. So for me, it's courage and kindness. Mm, I love both of those. And I loved, that's one thing I miss about watching all those animated movies. I think as an adult, you learn so much watching those animated movies. I remember watching <laughs> The Lion King with my son. I think we watched it three times and I kept getting these really powerful etheric slaps boom you know and uh, it was just amazing so I, I do miss that part so enjoy it while you can actually we just yesterday we watched frozen 2 and it has some really really deep wisdom nuggets in there i loved it thoroughly oh well i have to watch that i haven't <laughs> seen frozen i haven't watched animated oh actually i did watch one lady in the tramp not that long ago because i love dogs but um i mean that was just one of those <laughs> i just loved it i love watching those kind of movies those disney movies or all the even the fantasy movies i just feel like it just uh it's almost like it it sparks something in my brain that creative side of my brain and i could just fantasize for an hour and or an hour and a half which i just love Mm -hmm. so christina as we start wrapping up the show we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand what would be that one word for you real mm, <laughs> i could see that absolutely and the last question as we wrap up the show we love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners so what would be three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our audience today Okay, so one of them is to practice uh, awareness or consciousness. And for that, start doing things a slightly different way than you normally do, just as a trigger. Uh, like uh, a classical example, brush your teeth with the, another hand and let that be a reminder. Today I'm going to actually notice what's happening around me, what's happening inside me. You know, when you feel something, notice that you're feeling it. Uh, another thing I would suggest to practice, maybe you'll take one day for awareness and consciousness. Another day would be uh, for this. So the second um, practice would be um, not judging your emotions. I love Susan David. Uh, she's a psychologist and a TED speaker. And she said, you know, why do we put labels on our emotions? Good, bad, negative, positive. Uh, just do not judge them. Because that's that's where that's where we start getting into a mess when we start saying like, oh, but I'm an inspired human being. I'm I'm uh, enlightened. I shouldn't be feeling anger. It's it's not part of my perfect picture of myself. So spend a day without judging your emotions. Just notice when you feel something. Just allow that to be, and do not tell yourself like, oh no no no, I don't want to feel that. Oh no 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 no, this is bad. Oh this is dark. This is just have a judgment free day of experiencing whatever you're experiencing feeling whatever you're feeling so that would be number two and number three i would actually say a very simple task that uh, a very simple exercise that uh i know is super popular right now but it is uh, a very powerful thing it's uh, expressing gratitude um 
and not as a distraction from pain because it doesn't work this way. <laughs> you, you know, when you feel something low, don't, don't go and start telling yourself, oh, no, but I have this good in life and that good in life. Uh, you know, practice it in the moment when you are either at peace or feeling good. Just uh, slow down, notice like, oh, I feel good. And, and, and notice all the things in your life that you're grateful for. And uh, the way we do it in Mind Valley, we, we usually do it every day. Uh, we ask to notice the good things in uh, private life, in work life, and in yourself personally. And, um, and focus on the 24 hours. Because it's, it's really good to notice what happens to you right now, not, not like, oh, last month uh, or throughout the, the year. But uh, more than that, feel it. Not just a checklist, not just write down and put the check, 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 but actually feel. Better to feel one thing. And when it comes to what are you grateful for in yourself as a little kinky twist to that exercise, because I'm sure that your listeners have done gratitude like 10,000 times. So it's not a new exercise for them. So a little kinky twist for you, for your advanced listeners would be think of one, um, one uh, painful experience in your life as in painful that you maybe thought you were not your best self or, or that you, you know you have some grudge against yourself, and and think of that as just one more dent on you, one more little scar which makes you unique and which makes you you. And try to feel gratitude for that experience because I bet you have transformed through it. So so that's a little kinky twist of gratitude to feel thankful for, for, for the little nook and corner of yourself that you might have wanted to leave in the shadows and, you know, maybe felt shame, ashamed for, but, but rather than feeling shame, feel gratitude for it. So that's, that's my three little exercises. Oh, I love it. And I think that just the last one you were talking about expressing gratitude and I love doing, I'm doing a lot of shadow research and shadow work at the moment, but I, I, a quote from Napoleon Hill, every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit or opportunity, which really resonates with what you were talking about. Like when, be grateful. I, I find that even, you know, like I've been doing this work for over 25 years and still I'll pull things out of my shadow and go, wow, Catherine, I can't believe you still finding things after the, all of these years and I'll never stop finding things, you know, and now I call, I go hunting for them. I've, I, I call them my little jewels, you know, I love them because there's always something to, to be found in my shadow. And I love the, uh, the number one that you're talking about practice awareness and consciousness, because really when you think about it, depends what research you, you read, but we are creatures of habit and, you know, maybe 95 to 98% of the time we're just repeating the programs and living it with that deeper part of our brain, the unconscious part of our brain. But to consciously mm -hmm. be aware, like even like you said, the simple things like brush your teeth with your opposite hand or roll out of the bed in the completely opposite direction <laughs> or even putting your pants on. I've tried this. Instead of putting your pants on right leg first, do it left leg. And I fell flat on my face. But it made me realise that wow, I am so, everything I do is, is, is unconscious and it's full of patterns and programs and that's why I love all the shadow work as well. And the mm -hmm. part two, I love too, not judging emotions because we do, we label everything, everything. Mm -hmm. But that's how we're brought up too. 
Mm-hmm. And that's actually what causes us pain. I, I just discovered that, you know, pain per se is not really a trouble in our life because we'll get it. The problem is that we resist it and we fight it all the time. It's our reaction to pain. So whenever we feel emotions, you know, when you feel sad, that's not the problem. It's not hurting you as much as you starting to beat yourself up. Oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way, you know, cheer up and all that. So no judgment, no, no judgment day for emotions, day two. <laughs> I love that. And I think sometimes too, for me, it's, it's okay. You know, you feel an emotion, just surrender to it. And when you do, it's almost like you drop into that next level. So you might start off being angry and go, okay, I'm just going to surrender to this and just not even label it. But then it might go into, oh, I'm feeling a bit sad now. And then it might drop, drop into, mm-hmm. oh, I'm feeling a bit fearful right now. And as you're just surrendering to it, you allow those layers to just, you know, flow through you rather than keeping them stuck. So uh, sorry to add one more thing, but actually, you know what? The moment moment when you catch yourself judging your emotion, replace the judgment with like, oh, I should or should not feel like that, with a question, why do I feel like that? Because that's going to open up such opportunities for you. Oh, that's going to open up Pandora's box. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, Christina, where's the best place for our listeners to find you? Uh, I do have my Instagram account where I communicate personally, which is Christina Mand. And uh, usually I announce everything there. There would be links to whatever I have. And of course, Mind Valley. Follow Mind Valley. I'm, I'm not as uh, frequent uh, visit on Mind Valley page in English. In Russian, I am, but I do have them there as well. Mm, look, Christina, I can't thank you enough for your time, your energy, and sharing your wealth of wisdom. I'm sure our listeners are going to reach out. And I've got uh, a sore hand just from writing so many notes. So thank you so much. Well, it's you. been a, an amazing interview. Thank you so much. I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you, so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit the subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift, where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplanner.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at katherineplanner. That's it for now. Until next week, wishing you a fabulous day.